Hey, this is Rich. This is Cass. This is Jacob. This is Luke. Yes, yeah, it's Emilio. Salut, c'est Jonathan Mercier. Bonjour, c'est Jonathan Mercier. Bonjour, c'est Jonathan Mercier. Welcome to the Hillsong Creative Micropod. Well, hello and welcome to the Hillsong Creative Podcast. My name is Rich Langton and I am so glad that you've joined us for another episode. This is going to be a good one because uh, we're bringing Team Night to you. Over the years, uh, many of you have asked uh, for us to bring you our Team Night messages or our Team Nights from here uh, in Sydney, Australia to to you. And we haven't been able to work out how to do that in a way that's, that's really worked. But through the circumstances of 2020, uh, I guess circumstantially, we've been forced to go online and that means that there's a way for us to now share our team nights with you. Last Thursday night, we kicked off season two of Team Night Online. Uh, Cass Langton, my wife, she brought uh, a fantastic message, a challenging message uh, around redigging ancient wells. I think you're going to love it because I think it's going to challenge you to move forward in 2020. We've here uh, as a family and as a creative team, we're really aiming to finish 2020 strong, to not allow it to happen to us, but for us to really take control, uh, obviously within God's control, but take control of the things we can take control of, to be uh, really making decisions to move forward and not to be stagnant, to not let just time pass, but for us to really engage with the, with the season and engage with what God is doing in the season. You see, we could just sit back and just be... Um, just be sort of doing nothing, or we could redig some ancient wells. We could, re, you know, realign our focus, re, reset our sights on the future, and really enter into what God would have for us in this year. So, Cass, as I said, spoke a great message, and I believe if you uh, take it to heart and you act on it, uh, I believe God will help you to move forward. So, we'll jump straight into it, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Enjoy. But think tonight, it's the night of the visitation of the Holy Spirit, wherever you are. Your homes are about to become and have been sacred places of meeting. And wherever you are right now, creative team, why don't you lift your hands to heaven? And Father, I pray for your people. Right now, would you meet with us? We have come hungry to encounter you, Jesus. We have come for a touch of the Holy Spirit. We have come to be transformed. God, soften our weary hearts again tonight. Would you pour out fresh water on our souls? God, for every home, every family, every college house, every place where we are gathered, where people are single or married, where they are working or unemployed, God, whatever situation they find themselves in right now, would you draw close to them? Would you overshadow them? Father, would you bless them, their comings and their goings? May you make your face shine toward them and lift up the light of your countenance on them. And may peace be our portion in Jesus' name. And Jason Mays said, and Caitlin Fortier said, and Hannah Hobbs said, and Chantel said, and Sandy said, and Nicole said, and Rich said, and Gabe said, and everybody in the chat said, Amen. Um, I don't know about you in the chat, but I can only imagine that it's the same. But we were standing up the back and I felt grateful for worship that actually ministers to your heart and in true cast fashion I was crying because I just get a sense that God's got plans for us tonight and here's the deal tonight is going to be a little bit different so what I want you to know is 
We're going to try some fun stuff at team night over the next few weeks and see if we can work out how to do this together apart. So in the chat right now, I believe, there is a download. So you can download a worksheet for preaching. Doesn't that sound fancy? Um, so if you are good at this, Naomi Bothma has just put it in the chat. You need to download that or get out a piece of paper, a pen and your Bible because we are... In the words of Brooke Ledgewood, here to do business with God tonight. I don't have my business suit on, but I am so ready. And I have a word in my spirit for this season and I am so excited. So, are you ready? Thumbs up if you are ready and you got your paper ready and you've got your pen out. Um, a few weeks ago, we had team night, season one. And we ended season one with the thought of, yet will I rejoice. We went to the Scriptures and we realised that Hosea actually has lived in seasons like us. And he had something to teach us. And what he taught us was that even when the world doesn't look like what you hope it will look like, we can still have confidence in who God is. And we can lift our eyes heavenward and we can rejoice in the fact that we belong to God and He belongs to us and He's got us. And so... Start of season two of Team Night, we have coined a phrase that is, redig the wells. And I think it is something that God would have us know in this season. So if you are ready, we're going to read something. Are you okay? If you don't have time to print it out, you can open it up on your phone, on your iPad. You can do whatever you want to do. And if not, I'm just going to tell you what you need to write when. And behind me is going to come up the worksheet and we are good to go. Are you ready? So here's the deal, Genesis 26, 12, and I'm going to read you a little bit of Scripture. You're going to stay with me because this is a good story. It says, And Isaac sowed in the land, and he reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. And the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. He had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants so that the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped and filled up the earth all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father. And Abimelech, who was the king of the time, said to Isaac, get away from us, you are much mightier than we are. And so Isaac departed from there and he encamped in the valley of Gia and he settled there. And Isaac dug again. Listen to this. And Isaac dug again the wells of water that had first been dug in the days of Abraham and his father. And the Philistines had stopped up the earth after the death of Abraham. And he gave them the names that his father had given to them. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a well spring of water, the herdsmen of Gerah quarrelled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, this water's ours. And so he called out the name of the well, Essek, because they had contended with him. And then they dug another well and they quarrelled over that one as well. So he claimed, called it Sitna. And he moved from there and he dug another well and they did not quarrel over that one. And so he called it Rehoboth, saying, for now the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. And from there he went up to Bathsheba and the Lord appeared to him. And the same night, and he said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you. And I will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there, and he called upon the name of the Lord, and he pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servant dug a well. Okay. This is going to be one of your favourite stories of all time. 
Now, so here we have a story about Isaac. And I don't know what you know about Isaac, but he's one of the founding fathers of our faith. There's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And whenever God reveals himself, he says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It just so happens that Abraham, we all know a lot about, right? There's 14 chapters about Abraham, so many stories about Abraham. And what you probably know about Isaac is two things. One is that Abraham took him up on a hill and went to sacrifice him. But luckily, he didn't sacrifice him and God made a way through. And the other thing you probably know about Isaac is that he had twins called Esau and Jacob and he mixed up the birthright. Here's the deal. Abraham, 14 chapters. Jacob, 11 chapters. There's lots of stories about them. Isaac, one chapter. There is one chapter in the Bible that gives Isaac his story. And this is the one, which is pretty alarming, right? But it must mean that God intends for us to know something about this well story because it's the one thing we know about Isaac. And it can teach us something. One thing that it can teach you to start with is it doesn't actually matter how much space or platform you have. Whether you have 14 chapters or one, God allots time. And we are going to make the most of our time. But this story actually has something far greater than that to teach you. And what it has is something that every generation must know. So here's the deal. On your worksheet, it says three things every generation must know. Can you see this behind me? Like, I have got it. The first thing, the second thing, and the third thing. And I'm going to ask you, I'm going to tell you three points. I'm going to ask you three questions, and we're going to apply something. So the first thing every generation must do from this story, every generation must recognise its enemy. So here's the deal. In the story, it says that the Philistines had blocked up the wells of Abraham. They'd actually taken dirt and they'd contaminated the water of the wells. Now, in this time in the ancient Middle East, water was a source of life in the desert. If you didn't have water, you couldn't live. This was their supply and their source. This was everything that they needed to live from. And when the enemy came along and blocked up the supply, it meant death for the person. Now, the thing is, the Philistines are always opposed to the things of God. You know, famous Philistines like Goliath, giants in the land, and they set themselves up against the things of God, and they always challenge the people of God. Well, the truth is, the Bible says that we, as Christians, have an enemy. It says that actually the devil, he roars around like a lion looking for whom he may devour. And the Bible tells us in Ephesians 6 that our struggle, it's not against flesh and blood, but it's against rulers and principalities. And it says that we need to be mindful and on our guard. So I want to ask you tonight, who's your enemy? Who is your enemy in this generation? The first question is this, what is raising hell in your life? What is raising hell in your life? Because when I look at our team, right, at the moment, there's a whole lot of things that you could see as your enemy. You could see insecurity and a lack of confidence. Like I love talking to Crocker about getting ready for tonight because he goes, I haven't led worship for so long, I don't, I don't know how it's going to go. And when I talk to so many of you, you feel that, a lack of confidence. You feel competitive, you feel jealous. Um, some of you, it might be that you have bitterness. It might be that you actually get caught up in materialism. You want more. It might be that your enemy is actually lust and sin. I don't know what it is, but think about it and write it on the thing. I've put a poison symbol. What is it that is contaminating your life? What is it that is setting itself up against the things of God and it wants to cut off the life source in you to God? What is constricting the flow and what is contaminating your life? 
So can you think about that and write it down? You know, today's Are You OK Day. And I love that the boys mentioned it because I feel like as a creative team, we often battle with things like mental health. So maybe for you, today, your biggest thing is anxiety or loneliness or some of those sort of things. I want you to write down what is the enemy because when you can identify it, you can defeat it. Okay, first thing, every generation must recognise the enemy, have to ask yourself what is raising hell. Got it? And if you want to, if you're brave, in the chat, why don't you write one thing that is contaminating your life. If you're prepared to be vulnerable in our creative community, share it with each other. And as you do, I'm gonna tell you the second thing that every generation must do is this. Every generation must go again. Go again. I don't know if you love the word again, because it can be like, oh, here we go again. But here we go again, has so much potential and resilience. It talks to possibility. It talks about rising up and not just sitting back and letting life happen to you, but actually choosing that again, I'm gonna muster up some courage. Again, I'm gonna go forward. Again, I'm gonna get involved. Again, I'm going to face the giants. So I wanna ask you, second thing, go again. And the question is this, what is your well? And here's the deal, I love this story because Abraham, one of the founding fathers of the faith, he's already been digging wells, right? A generation before Isaac, he dug these wells and they fed his flocks and his family. They were sources of life and strength. And then another generation comes along and they don't have wells to dig from, they've got to dig their own wells. Now, a little bit of background of this story, if I can do it really quickly. Abraham, he is the father of promise. God comes to him and goes, Abraham, I'm choosing you and through you, every nation on the earth is gonna be blessed. And then he says to him something, he goes, I'm gonna give you land. But the way he communicates to Abraham is, but not quite yet. You're gonna be a sojourner. You're gonna be a person with a tent who just passes through. Don't get settled. Don't put your roots down. Just keep seeking me. And so Abraham does that. But then he dies. And when he dies, Isaac, his son, takes on carrying on the promise. But the thing is that you don't quite see in this text, but I'm gonna tell you is happening, is that Isaac has made a decision to go in search of food in Egypt. It was just before this passage of Scripture and God meets him and he goes, don't go to Egypt, go to Giyar, the land of Abraham. And what he says to him is, don't settle there, but wait. And what happens is Abraham, Isaac actually puts his roots down and he starts to get settled and established in the land. And when he does that, God begins to bless him and then the Philistines watch what God's doing and they get threatened and they tell him to move on. Now, the truth is, Isaac had no right to settle. He was a sojourner like Abraham. He was meant to keep moving and keep following God. But when he settled down and he went to uncover the wells, what he faced was a few things, three wells. One was a well of contention. You know, the Philistines came and said, this isn't your water, you don't belong here, this is not yours. The second well he faced was a well of opposition. And I wonder creative team, whether you find yourself, as we go to dig, you're going to have to dig through contention and dig through opposition to actually find yourself where God wants you to be. You know, sometimes I think that we as a generation are one of the most contentious generations in history. You only have to look at this year to watch us all jump on the soapbox of so many different things, contentious issues. And I don't know about you, but every time I've spoken out about something, I've had left field swipes about every other issue that I haven't spoken up about. 
There are so many things that are contentious in society. Now, some of them are very good and worth fighting for. And some of them, they'll just take us off course. Some of them, when we're just all giving our opinions and cancelling each other and talking over the top of each other, we find ourselves in contentious issues and discussions and arguments we just shouldn't be in. And then there's opposition. I love that they're the names that Isaac gave the wells. The first well meant contention. The second well meant opposition. And you know, sometimes I think, I look at our lives and I go, oh, there's so much external opposition. And I've got so many friends who are like, please pray for me, the devil's at me again. And here we go, and the opposition. And, and maybe you look at what's happening in life and you're like, oh, look at us, we're back in lockdown. Yep, this is opposition. It's opposition. I've lost my job. Opposition. My family, my teenagers, there's opposition coming at me. And you forget how powerful God is and you let yourself get sidetracked by the things and the circumstances in life that keep coming at you and you forget to fix your eyes on God. Well, here's the deal. In this story, they have to go through contention. They have to go through opposition because they're fighting for ground that wasn't actually theirs to fight for. But then something beautiful happens. Isaac chooses to remove himself from those two wells. He actually sets aside contention, sets aside opposition, and he moves out of the way. And he goes to this spacious place. And they say that where he is now is where he is allowed to be. Because he's no longer putting his roots down somewhere. He's got his tent on his back and he's back in the purposes of God, following him where he's leading. And then he digs a well and he digs a well away from everybody else. And that well is called this. And it's such a cool word. Ready? Roominess. Roominess. It means that he's found a well where there is enough space for the water and life of God to flow, where the plans and the purposes of God actually begin to fill that well and that space. You know what I love about it is in 2 Corinthians, it says this, my dear, dear Corinthians, or you could read it like this, my dear, dear creatives, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter the wide open spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, Melbourne, not even in lockdown, but you're living them in a small way. So I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection for you. Open up your lives and live openly and expansively. Do you think that's beautiful? The Lord wants to lead you to a place where the wells that you are redigging are rooms of wide open spaciousness are places where you find your perfect fit in the kingdom of God. When you're not so busy looking around at what everybody else is doing, but you actually go, God, there's room for me here. Even here, I can contribute, I can be calm, I can be who you're calling me to be. There is a place of roominess, space for you. So go again. Dig again, every generation, our generation, us right now, 2020 creative. We need to redig some ancient wells and discover some places where there are water of life that is going to nourish us. And then finally, point number three, it says this find your source. This is what I'm telling you. Your point is this find your source. And the question is this where will you dwell? And I love the final bit because it talks about Isaac. Once he's found the roominess, he goes to Bathsheba. And Bathsheba is home. 
It is a place of home for Abraham and it is a place of home for Isaac. It is a place of covenant and the place of promise. It is a place where God met with Abraham in the generation before, where he spoke promise over Abraham. And Isaac takes him right back to a really familiar space and he finds himself somewhere where he knows God has dwelt in the past and he takes his tent and he does three things. He pitches a tent, he builds an altar and he digs a well. And creative, you wonder how you find God. You pitch a tent. You find a dwelling place where you and God meet. It says in Psalm 91 verse 1, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. There is a dwelling place that God has for you and Him, a space where He desires to meet with you. And then you build an altar. And like we're the worship team. We're the creatives. You get what it means to worship God. And at the place where you find dwelling with God is where you begin to worship. Where in the morning when you wake up, you open up your voice and you start to declare, God, you are good. You do good things. You are kind. You love me. You are worthy of my praise. You are worthy of all my worship. Inhabit my home, God. You're welcome here. Bring your spirit here. Come pour out your spirit on my kids, on my life, on my craft, on my everything is yours. And then he builds a well. He decides that every day he's going to satisfy his thirst with the source of life, which is God. And you know, for us as Christians, the truth is, is that this story reaches its fulfilment in Jesus Christ. Because in John 4, 13 to 14, there is another story about a well and there is Jesus and He is waiting at the well and He meets a Samaritan woman. And it is a cool story and I wish I had time to tell you about it, but I don't really. But Jesus overcomes every obstacle, every barrier, every societal norm. He crosses gender, He crosses race, He crosses religion in order to meet with this woman and extend relationship. And He says to her this, He says, everyone who drinks of this water will get thirsty again. And anyone who drinks of water that I give them, he will never thirst. And check this, it's beautiful. It says, the water I give will be an artisan spring within you, gushing fountains of endless life. So I want to know, who is your source? Because Jesus is my source. And do you know what He is the source of? He is the source of strength. He is the source of joy. He is the source of hope. He is the source of forgiveness and freedom. He is the source of wholeness and identity. Whatever you need is in Jesus Christ. He offers life and life abundant. He died on a cross, rose from the dead and now lives ascended at the right hand of the Father to make intercession with you. He is your source of life. And so creative, we get to dig again. We get to dig again. And even in this crazy COVID season, we get to find Jesus waiting for us. And in Him is life and life abundant. I love it because we live on a farm and Rich a little while ago decided that he was going to build a boar. And when he looked up, is it legal in Australia to build a boar? It says it's not legal without a permit. And the reason it's not legal is because they say it's not good for any one individual to have dibs on a complete water source. That a water source is for a community. And so creative. We dig wells and we find God to be the source for the sake of others, not for ourselves. 
We dig wells so that we find roominess and spaciousness in the Lord and then we find enough for everybody else so that we can water many. Your creativity, everything that's in your hand in this season. I've been so convicted by the Lord to go, what does it look like to run a creative team when a church doesn't gather like it used to? And you know what? I think it means you going again. Recognising the enemy wants to stop you from creating, dig the well again, find your source and then begin to work out where your creative gifts and talents fit because there is still a world that desperately needs the love of a saviour. And so my encouragement to you is be the type of people in whom God puts artisan spring water who gush with fountains of life eternal for your own sake for the sake of others and for the sake of the master who's called you. So I'm going to pray for you. Lord Jesus, I pray for this team. I pray this week, Lord, as we spend time digging wells and creating spaces where you can fill us again with your life and you can speak hope over us and purpose for the world. May we find you. May you draw near God. May you fill this team and lift their eyes. God, where there is hopelessness, would you replace it with hope? Where there is a fear of failure or a lack of direction, can you come again, God? Bring life and hope and purpose and meaning. And may we build the type of community that nourishes each other and reflects you well in this season. We love you with everything in us. And a whole creative team said, Amen. Amen.